Section Eight of the Princess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Princess by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Part Seven. So was their sanctuary violated, so their fair college turned to hospital, at first with all confusion. By and by sweet order lived again with other laws, a kindlier influence reigned, and everywhere low voices with the ministering hand hung round the sick. The maidens came, they talked, they sang, they read, till she not fair began to gather light, and she that was became her former beauty treble, and to and fro with books, with flowers, with angel offices, like creatures native unto gracious act, and in their own clear element, they moved. But sadness on the soul of Ida fell, and hatred of her weakness blent with shame. Old studies failed, seldom she spoke, but oft clomb to the roofs, and gazed alone for hours on that disastrous leaguer, swarms of men darkening her female field. Void was her use, and she as one that climbs a peak to gaze o'er land and main, and sees a great black cloud drag inward from the deeps, a wall of night, blot out the slope of sea from verge to shore, and suck the blinding splendour from the sand, and quenching lake by lake and tarn by tarn expunge the world. So fared she gazing there, so blackened all her world in secret, blank and waste it seemed and vain, till down she came, and found fair peace once more among the sick. And twilight dawned, and morn by morn the lark shot up and shrilled in flickering gyres. But I lay silent in the muffled cage of life, and twilight gloomed, and broader grown the bowers drew the great night into themselves, and heaven, star after star, arose and fell. But I, deeper than those weird doubts could reach me, lay quite sundered from the moving universe, nor knew what I was on me, nor the hand that nursed me, more than infants in their sleep. But Psyche tended Florian. With her oft Melissa came, for Blanche had gone, but left her child among us, willing she should keep court favour. Here and there the small bright head, a light of healing, glanced about the couch, or through the parted silks the tender face peeped, shining in upon the wounded man with blush and smile, a medicine in themselves to while the length from languorous hours, and draw the sting from pain. Nor seemed it strange that soon he rose up whole, and those fair charities joined at her side. Nor stranger seemed that hearts so gentle, so employed, should close in love, than when two dewdrops on the petals shake to the same sweet air, and tremble deeper down, and slip at once all fragrant into one. Less prosperously the second suit obtained at first with Psyche, not though Blanche had sworn that after that dark night among the fields she needs must wed him for her own good name, not though he built upon the babe restored, nor though she liked him, yielded she, but feared to incense the head once more, till on a day when Cyril pleaded, Ida came behind seen but of Psyche. On her foot she hung a moment, and she heard at which her face a little flushed, and she passed on. 
but each assumed from thence a half-consent involved in stillness, plighted troth, and were at peace. Nor only these. Love in the sacred halls held carnival at will, and flying struck with showers of random sweet on maid and man. Nor did her father cease to press my claim, nor did mine own, now reconciled, nor yet did those twin brothers risen again and whole, nor Arak, satiate with his victory. But I lay still, and with me oft she sat. Then came a change, for sometimes I would catch her hand in wild delirium, grip it hard, and fling it like a viper off, and shriek, You are not Ida! Clasp it once again, and call her Ida, though I knew her not, and call her sweet as if in irony, and call her hard and cold which seemed a truth. And still she feared that I should lose my mind, and often she believed that I should die, till out of long frustration of her care, and pensive tendance in the all-weary noons, and watches in the dead, the dark, when clocks throbbed thunder through the palace floors, or called on flying time from all their silver tongues, and out of memories of her kindlier days, and sidelong glances at my father's grief, and at the happy lovers heart in heart, and out of hauntings of my spoken love, and lonely listenings to my muttered dream, and often feeling of the helpless hands and wordless broodings on the wasted cheek, from all a closer interest flourished up, tenderness touch by touch, and last to these, love, like an alpine harebell hung with tears by some cold morning glacier, frail at first and feeble, all unconscious of itself, but such as gathered colour day by day. Last woke I sane, but well-nigh close to death for weakness. It was evening. Silent light slept on the painted walls, wherein were wrought two grand designs, for on one side arose the women up in wild revolt, and stormed at the Oppian law. Titanic shapes they crammed the forum, and half crushed among the rest a dwarf-like Cato cowered. On the other side Hortensia spoke against the tax. Behind a train of dames, by axe and eagle sat, with all their foreheads drawn in Roman scowls, and half the wolf's milk curdled in their veins, the fierce triumvirs, and before them paused Hortensia pleading. Angry was her face. I saw the forms, I knew not where I was. They did but look like hollow shows, nor more sweet Ida. Palm to palm she sat, the dew dwelt in her eyes, and softer all her shape and rounder seemed. I moved, I sighed, a touch came round my wrist and tears upon my hand. Then all for languor and self-pity ran mine down my face, and with what life I had, and like a flower that cannot all unfold, so drenched it is with tempest to the sun, yet as it may turns toward him, I on her fixed my faint eyes, and uttered whisperingly, If you be what I think you, some sweet dream, I would but ask you to fulfil yourself. But if you be that Ida whom I knew, I ask you nothing. Only if a dream, sweet dream, be perfect, I shall die to-night. Stoop down, and seem to kiss me ere I die. I could no more, but lay like one in trance, that hears his burial talked of by his friends, and cannot speak, nor move, nor make one sign, 
but lies and dreads his doom. She turned, she paused, she stooped, and out of languor leapt a cry, leapt fiery passion from the brinks of death, and I believed that in the living world my spirit closed with Ida's at the lips, till back I fell, and from mine arms she rose glowing all over noble shame, and all her falser self slipped from her like a robe, and left her woman, lovelier in her mood than in her mould that other, when she came from barren deeps to conquer all with love, and down the streaming crystal dropped, and she far fleeted by the purple island sides naked, a double light in air and wave to meet her graces, where they decked her out for worship without end, nor end of mine stateliest for thee. But mute she glided forth, nor glanced behind her, and I sank and slept, filled through and through with love, a happy sleep. Deep in the night I woke, she near me held a volume of the poets of her land, there to herself all in low tones she read. Now sleeps the crimson petal, now the white, nor waves the cypress in the palace walk, nor winks the gold fin in the porphyry font. The firefly awakens. Wake thou with me. Now droops the milk-white peacock like a ghost, and like a ghost she glimmers on to me. Now lies the earth all Danai to the stars, and all thy heart lies open unto me. Now lies the silent meteor on, and leaves a shining furrow, as thy thoughts in me. Now folds the lily all her sweetness up, and slips into the bosom of the lake. So fold thyself, my dearest, thou, and slip into my bosom, and be lost in me. I heard her turn the page. She found a small sweet idol, and once more as low she read. Come down, O maid, from yonder mountain height. What pleasure lives in height? the shepherd sang. In height and cold, the splendour of the hills. But cease to move so near the heavens, and cease to glide a sunbeam by the blasted pine, to sit a star upon the sparkling spire. And come, for love is of the valley, come, for love is of the valley, come thou down and find him, by the happy threshold he, or hand in hand with plenty in the maze, or red with spirited purple of the vats, or fox-like in the vine, nor cares to walk with death and mourning on the silver horns, nor wilt thou snare him in the white ravine, nor find him dropped upon the firths of ice, that huddling slant and furrow cloven falls to roll the torrent out of dusky doors. But follow, let the torrent dance thee down to find him in the valley, let the wild lean-headed eagles yelp alone, and leave the monstrous ledges there to slope, and spill their thousand wreaths of dangling water-smoke, that like a broken purpose waste in air. So waste not thou, but come, for all the vales await thee, as your pillars of the hearth arise to thee, the children call, and I thy shepherd pipe, and sweet is every sound, sweeter thy voice, but every sound is sweet. Myriads of rivulets hurrying through the lawn, the moan of doves in immemorial elms, and murmuring of innumerable bees. So she low-toned while with shut eyes I lay listening, then looked. Pale was the perfect face, the bosom with long sighs laboured, and meek seemed the full lips, 
and mild the luminous eyes, and the voice trembled, and the hand. She said brokenly that she knew it, she had failed in sweet humility, had failed in all, that all her labour was but as a block left in the quarry. But she still were loath, she still were loath to yield herself to one that wholly scorned to help their equal rights against the sons of men and barbarous laws. She prayed me not to judge their cause from her that wronged it, sought far less for truth than power in knowledge. Something wild within her breast, a greater than all knowledge, beat her down. And she had nursed me there from week to week. Much had she learnt in little time. In part it was ill counsel had misled the girl to vex true hearts. Yet was she but a girl. Ah, fool! And made myself a queen of farce. When comes another such? Never, I think, till the sun drop dead from the signs. Her voice choked, and her forehead sank upon her hands, and her great heart through all the faultful past went sorrowing in a pause I dared not break. Till notice of a change in the dark world was lissed about the acacias, and a bird that early woke to feed her little ones sent from a dewy breast a cry for light. She moved, and at her feet the volume fell. "'Blame not thyself too much,' I said, "'nor blame too much the sons of men and barbarous laws. These were the rough ways of the world till now. Henceforth thou hast a helper, me, that know the woman's cause is man's. They rise or sink together, dwarfed or godlike, bond or free. For she that out of Lethe scales with man the shining steps of nature, shares with man his nights, his days, moves with him to one goal, stays all the fair young planet in her hands. If she be small, slight-natured, miserable, how shall men grow? But work no more alone. Our place is much. As far as in us lies, we too will serve them both in aiding her will clear away the parasitic forms that seem to keep her up but drag her down, will leave her space to burgeon out of all within her, let her make herself her own to give or keep, to live and learn and be all that not harms distinctive womanhood. For woman is not undeveloped man, but diverse. Could we make her as the man, sweet love were slain. His dearest bond is this, not like to like but like indifference. Yet in the long years liker must they grow, the man be more of woman, she of man. He gain in sweetness and in moral height, nor lose the wrestling thews that throw the world, she mental breadth, nor fail in childward care, nor lose the childlike in the larger mind. Till at the last she set herself to man, like perfect music unto noble words. And so these twain, upon the skirts of time, sit side by side, full-summed in all their powers, dispensing harvest, sowing the two be, self-reverent each and reverencing each, distinct in individualities, but like each other even as those who love. Then comes the statelier Eden back to men. Then reigns the world's great bridles chaste and calm, then springs the crowning race of mankind. May these things be. Sighing she spoke, I fear they will not. 
Dear, but let us type them now in our own lives, and this proud watchword rest of equal. Seeing either sex alone is half itself, and in true marriage lies nor equal nor unequal. Each fulfils defect in each, and always thought in thought, purpose in purpose, will in will they grow, the single pure and perfect animal, the two-celled heart beating with one full stroke. Life. And again sighing she spoke. A dream that once was mine. What woman taught you this? Alone, I said, from earlier than I know, immersed in rich foreshadowings of the world, I loved the woman. He that doth not lives a drowning life, besotted in sweet self, or pines in sad experience worse than death, or keeps his winged affections clipped with crime. Yet was there one through whom I loved her, one not learned save in gracious household ways, not perfect, nay, but full of tender wants, no angel, but a dearer being, all dipped in angel instincts, breathing paradise, interpreter between the gods and men, who looked all native to her place, and yet on tiptoe seemed to touch upon a sphere too gross to tread, and all male minds before swayed to her from their orbits as they moved, and girdled her with music. Happy he with such a mother! Faith in womankind beats with his blood, and trust in all things high comes easy to him. And though he trip and fall, he shall not blind his soul with clay. But I, said Ida tremulously, so all unlike. It seems you love to cheat yourself with words. This mother is your model. I have heard of your strange doubts. They well might be, I seem a mockery to my own self. Never, Prince, you cannot love me. Nay, but thee, I said, from year-long poring on thy pictured eyes, ere seen I loved, and loved thee seen, and saw thee woman, through the crust of iron moods that masked thee from men's reverence up, and forced sweet love on pranks of saucy boyhood. Now given back to life, to life indeed through thee indeed I love. The new day comes, the light dearer for night, as dearer thou for faults lived over. Lift thine eyes, my doubts are dead, my haunting sense of hollow shows. The change, this truthful change in thee has killed it. Dear, look up, and let thy nature strike on mine, like yonder morning on the blind half-world. Approach, and fear not, breathe upon my brows. In that fine air I tremble. All the past melts mist-like into this bright hour, and this is morn to more. And all the rich to come reels, as the golden autumn woodland reels athwart the smoke of burning weeds. Forgive me, I waste my heart in signs. Let be. My bride, my wife, my life! Oh, we will walk this world yoked in all exercise of noble end, and so through those dark gates across the wild that no man knows. Indeed, I love thee. Come, yield thyself up. My hopes and thine are one. Accomplish thou my manhood and thyself. Lay thy sweet hands in mine, and trust to me. Conclusion 
So closed our tale, of which I give you all the random scheme as wildly as it rose. The words are mostly mine, for when we ceased there came a minute's pause, and Walter said, I wish she had not yielded. Then to me, What if you dressed it up poetically? So prayed the men, the women. I gave assent. Yet how to bind the scattered scheme of seven together in one sheaf? What style could suit? The men required that I should give throughout the sort of mock-heroic gigantesque, with which we bantered little Lilia first. The women, and perhaps they felt their power for something in the ballads which they sang, or in their silent influence as they sat, had ever seemed to wrestle with burlesque, and drove us last to quite a solemn close. They hated banter, wished for something real, a gallant fight, a noble princess. Why not make her true heroic, true sublime? Or all, they said, as earnest as the close? Which, yet, with such a framework, scarce could be. Then rose a little feud betwixt the two, betwixt the mockers and the realists, and I betwixt them both, to please them both, and yet to give the story as it rose, I moved as in a strange diagonal and maybe neither pleased myself nor them. But Lilia pleased me, for she took no part in our dispute. The sequel of the tale had touched her, and she sat, she plucked the grass, she flung it from her, thinking. Last she fixed a showery glance upon her aunt, and said, "'You, tell us what we are,' who might have told, for she was crammed with theories out of books, but that there rose a shout. The gates were closed at sunset, and the crowd were swarming now to take their leave about the garden rails. So I and some went out to these. We climbed the slope to Vivian Place, and turning saw the happy valleys, half in light and half far-shadowing from the west, a land of peace. Grey halls alone among their massive groves, trim hamlets, here and there a rustic tower half lost in belts of hop and breadths of wheat the shimmering glimpses of a stream, the seas, a red sail or a white, and far beyond, imagined more than seen, the skirts of France. "'Look there, a garden,' said my college friend, the Tory member's eldest son. "'And there, God bless the narrow sea which keeps her off, and keeps our Britain whole within herself a nation yet, the rulers and the ruled, some sense of duty, something of a faith, some reverence for the laws ourselves have made, some patient force to change them when we will, some civic manhood firm against the crowd. But yonder, whiff, there comes a sudden heat, the gravest citizen seems to lose his head, the king is scared, the soldier will not fight, the little boys begin to shoot and stab, a kingdom topples over with a shriek like an old woman and down rolls the world in mock heroics stranger than our own. Revolts, republics, revolutions, most no graver than a schoolboy's barring out, too comic for the serious things they are, too solemn for the comic touches in them. Like our wild princess, with as wise a dream as some of theirs. God bless the narrow seas! I wish they were a whole Atlantic broad. Have patience! I replied, ourselves are full of social wrong, and maybe wildest dreams are but the needful preludes of the truth. For me, the genial day, the happy crowd, the sport, half-science, fills me with a faith. This fine old world of ours is but a child yet in the go-cart. 
Patience! Give it time to learn its limbs. There is a hand that guides." In such discourse we gained the garden-rails, and there we saw Sir Walter where he stood, before a tower of crimson hollyhocks, among six boys, head under head, and looked no little lily-handed baron at he, a great broad-shouldered genial Englishman, a lord of fat prize oxen and of sheep, a raiser of huge melons and of pine, a patron of some thirty charities, a pamphleteer on guano and on grain, a quarter-sessions chairman, abler none, fair-haired and redder than a windy morn, now shaking hands with him, now him, of those that stood the nearest, now addressed to speech, who spoke a few words and pithy, such as closed welcome, farewell, and welcome for the year to follow. A shout rose again, and made the long line of the approaching rookery swerve from the elms, and shook the branches of the deer from slope to slope through distant ferns, and rang beyond the bourne of sunset. Oh, a shout more joyful than the city roar that hails premier or king! Why should not these great sirs give up their parks some dozen times a year to let the people breathe? So thrice they cried, I likewise, and in groups they streamed away. But we went back to the abbey, and sat on, so much the gathering darkness charmed. We sat but spoke not, wrapped in nameless reverie, perchance upon the future man. The walls blackened about us, bats wheeled, and owls whooped. And gradually the powers of the night, that range above the region of the wind, deepening the courts of twilight broke them up, through all the silent spaces of the worlds, beyond all thought, into the heaven of heavens. Last little Lilia, rising quietly, disrobed the glimmering statue of Sir Rafe from those rich silks, and home well pleased we went. End of section 8 End of the Princess by Alfred Lord Tennyson Read by Elizabeth Clett, Houston, Texas, January 2012